If you will, turn in your scriptures today to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And of course, uh, this is Paul's last epistle. He wrote, and he wrote it to his protege, Timothy, a uh, young minister that he had uh, begun working with during his second missionary trip through Lystra, which was Timothy's hometown. And he writes this letter to him to instruct him and help him in this. And I think it's appropriate for, for Jonathan and for all of us. We are all called to be ministers, no matter our age. We are all called to serve the Lord. And I think there are helpful things here for all of us as we seek to, to follow Christ. Let me read uh, through verse 14, starting with verse 1 of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from uh, God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sacrifice of, of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Uh, young ministers and old ministers have a calling from God to serve, and we are all ministers of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for one young minister, Jonathan Cole, who has been serving here for a long time. I remember when we were still in our gym before our sanctuary was completed, Young Jonathan, at that time 
maybe six years old, uh, playing the drums in the gym. And uh, so he has been serving here for about 12 years. In the last few years, not uh, as, as our worship leader. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for what he has learned, what he has shared with us, the way that he has led us to exalt and lift up our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to pray for him, for God to bless him as he makes this transition to Nashville to go to Belmont University, and that God would bless him in a mighty way uh, as he moves there. And we're thankful for what he has meant to us. Uh, Paul begins this last letter. He is imprisoned, probably his second imprisonment from Rome, and uh, writes to Timothy what uh, may very well have been his last letter to anyone. We know it was the last letter that is recorded in Scripture. And he identifies himself, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. It's interesting that he uses this term, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, because he was expecting his life to end soon. And he was writing to Timothy then, but uh, a little later in, in uh, this epistle, chapter four, verse six, he made specific reference to that. He said, for I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He knew the end was in sight. He knew that because he had shared the gospel and been faithful to do that, that, that uh, finally all the opposition uh, was coming to a head and that he soon would have his life uh, ended. And we, we know he did die for, uh, for his faith and for doing that. But he knew that God was a God of life and he knew that just because his physical life would end, that his spiritual life would last for eternity. And uh, what the uh, Roman emperor might do to him had no impact on his eternity, which is a blessing to us to know that that life is eternal for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord. Verse two, he says to Timothy, my beloved son. You can just uh, sense here the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Timothy who had been faithful to help him. Timothy who was now uh, back in, in another city, faithfully teaching and preaching and leading a church. Paul was depending on him to help Christians to grow, to help churches develop into what they should be and wrote this letter in part to encourage him to be strong and he saw him as his son. We ought to, to look to those that are younger in the faith as those that we can influence positively as Paul had this tremendous influence on young Timothy and was able to bless him, his son. And then he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, a very common introduction kind of thing that uh, Paul uses in his epistles, except in this one that he addresses to young Timothy, he includes mercy. Usually it's just uh, uh, grace and peace. But here he says grace, mercy, and peace. 
Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, kind of picked up on this and, uh, and said something about the need for, for ministers and mercy. Uh, here's what Spurgeon said. Did you ever notice this one thing about Christian ministers? And again, we are all ministers. Some are called to specific tasks, but we are all ministers. That they need even more mercy than other people. Although everybody needs mercy, ministers need it more than anybody else. And so we do. For if we are not faithful, we shall be greater sinners even than our hearers. And it needs much grace for us always to be faithful. And much mercy will be required to cover our shortcomings. So I shall take those three things to myself, grace, mercy, and peace. You may have the two, grace and peace, but I need mercy more than any of you. So I take it from the, my Lord's loving hand and I will trust and not be afraid despite all my shortcomings and feebleness and blunders and mistakes in the course of my whole ministry. Mercy in that. This reminds me of a, an email I got, or actually a Facebook message I got this morning from a missionary in Chile. Uh, he and his wife served there with uh, three children. Uh, they have a son, Aunt Mark Best, and his wife, Pam, uh, Mark and his wife. Uh, their son, Andrew, graduated from seminary a few years ago, attended our church a few times. Uh, Mark attended our church a few times back years ago when he was in seminary. But uh, just in the last uh, uh, 24 hours, he got word that his younger brother uh, passed away very suddenly. And uh, they're grieving very much during this time. So they're flying into New Orleans Tuesday and then we'll be driving to, uh, to Texas for the funeral. And he says that he and his brother were so close that he could call him anytime, day or night. So uh, I, want, I told him we would pray for him. So let's just pray now and ask God's mercy and grace be upon Mark Best. Father, we come to you today uh, asking your blessings on this family. I pray especially for Mark who has lost his younger brother. I pray that as they fly uh, from Chile to, uh, to New Orleans and then drive to Texas, that your grace would be upon them, that they, they would experience your mercy. Be with their other family members, Father. And after this, just very sudden loss. Just help them, be with them, strengthen them for continued service and mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Paul wanted Timothy to experience mercy, grace, and peace as he served the Father. Uh, in verse three, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul refers to, to those of his ancestors who were faithful in the Jewish faith. Uh, they weren't like some of the current Pharisees of his day that... Uh, uh, did not exalt God, but exalted themselves and rituals. But he had some very faithful uh, ancestors. And, and then he says, I'm praying for you. As I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Did Paul pray for Timothy? Yes. Did Paul have opportunity? At this time he did. He was in prison. 
And he was using that time in prison to lift up Timothy. He asked God to bless him as he sought to serve the Lord in the places where he was serving day and night. We ought to pray for young ministers, older ministers, day and night. Lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ because we all need it. Some days we need it more than others, but we all need prayers at all times, day and night. Lift others up in this. And then uh, in verse four, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. So uh, the last time they separated, possibly Timothy was crying that they had to separate, maybe afraid that he would not see him again. But he recalled the fondness that Timothy had for him and that he had for Timothy as they worked together and served together the Lord. And, and that's the kind of thing that ought to typify the church, that typify us as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we remember each other fondly uh, and, and pray for each other as well. Verse five, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. So Paul was thankful for a faithful grandmother and a faithful mother. Uh, Timothy's father was a Greek, and as far as he know, as we know, he was not a Christian, at least in the early days. He may have gotten saved later, but uh, Paul was pointing out the importance of, of family, leading others to, to faith. And we can, of course, certainly thank God for Jonathan's uh, forebears in the faith, his parents and his uh, grandparents and his great-grandparents in their uh, legacy of faith, which, which they gave uh, to him and passed on to him and which he has now. We need to remember how critical it is that we pass the faith on to those younger than us. Our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews, our neighbors, all those that we can influence for the Lord. And uh, in verse six, for this reason, the fact that he has this faith, that uh, Paul remembers him, that Paul is praying for him. In verse six, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul certainly laid hands on him and prayed for him as he uh, entered the ministry. Uh, and Paul wanted him to, to know that he had gifts, spiritual gifts, just like when we get saved and have the Holy Spirit, God gives us gifts. And Paul wanted to remind him to kindle, to, to uh, uh, fan the flames of, of the gifts that were in him. Uh, it reminds me of, of building fires at campfires when I used to camp out with the Boy Scouts and, and a few times where I've built a fire in a fireplace. Sometimes that fire gets very low and you have to fan it or blow on it. Add some kindling so that that fire does not go out. Timothy's fire was not going to go out, but Paul recognized that Timothy needed to do things that would 
keep his gift active and be so that he would be useful in the kingdom's work. We need to, to rekindle, fan our faith, fan our faith so that our gifts would be used and not let them sit idle, not just sit on the, the pew and, and not serve, but we need to, to be out there to be serving. This reminds me of a story I just heard uh, in the past day. Uh, some of you, probably not many of you have heard the name of Damon Shihi uh, Giuseppe. Uh, anybody heard of him? He plays for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, this past Thursday night in his first game uh, for the Cleveland Browns, in his first pro game at all, he caught a punt and returned it 86 yards for a touchdown, which is pretty neat for anyone in their first game, but it's even neater thinking about Damon's uh, background. Damon grew up in a single parent home in uh, uh, part of it in, in the Phoenix area, part of it in uh, Michigan, and uh, had a love of sports and went out first of all for a junior college uh, basketball team. Uh, did not make the team. Uh, then he began running track for a junior college and got hurt in an automobile accident and had to give up track for a while. And then he decided when he recovered, he was gonna try football at the junior college level. I think he tried one junior college, they didn't take him on. And he went to another junior college and they didn't really want him, but he found out when they were practicing and went and just kinda snuck on the field and practiced with the team, and he showed some gifts and uh, uh, abilities, and they said, he's doing so good, we can't keep him off the team. He made the team, played, and actually made junior college All-American as a punt returner. Uh, just had some real gifts. But even doing that, being All-American, he didn't even get a scholarship at the junior college level doing that. Uh, he. Uh, finally dropped out of junior college, wanted to play for Alabama. No, I don't know if he wanted to play for Alabama. He wanted to play for a big school. And he said he went to many, many schools. Uh, he said he went to Southeastern College, Southeastern Conference, probably LSU, and, and uh, said he wanted everybody just to look at some of his film. He said he only got one big school to look at his film even. But then they found out he only had one year of college eligibility left, so no one really wanted him. So he was kind of on the sidelines, but he had a dream to play pro football, and he kept uh, practicing. He would go to gyms, he would uh, exercise, he would go to quarterbacks, anyone he could that would uh, give him some skills and help him and do this. Finally, he had a friend that told him the Cleveland Browns were having some spring practice in the Miami area. And he found about that and he flew from Phoenix to Miami with not much money, with uh, nowhere really to stay and uh, decided he would try to crash their practice and uh, see if he could get on. This was, I think, back in April or March when he did that, he ran out of money uh, he would go to a gym every day and practice there and wound up sleeping uh, on the ground, on the grass outside that, uh, the gym. 
and uh, would find a place to get a shower every day and, and uh, would get his mother to, to order some food uh, online so he could pick it up and got some, was able to eat one meal a day. So finally he got it to the practice field when they were doing that. And he did some research on their player acquisition person and uh, researched him, saw his picture, went to the practice facility and they said, well, who are you? He said, well, I'm, I need to be here at practice. They said, you're not on the list. He said, but I know, and he called the name of the player acquisition head and convinced him that, that he knew him and he was supposed to be there. He didn't know him. He wasn't supposed to be there, but he went in and he saw, they let him in, and he saw the person, went up to him, said, I'm Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, and I want to play football for that. And he was so convincing, they let him try out. And he ran a 4.38 second 40 and did some good ball catching and punt returning and won a place on the team. And that was back in the spring and in his first game, Thursday night, an 86 yard punt return for a touchdown. Now that's what I call fanning the flames of the gifts inside you. Not being willing to give up, being willing to push forward and do everything it took so that he would be able to fulfill his dream. That's what Paul wanted to see in Timothy. He wanted to see him to strive. He wanted to see him to push. He wanted to see uh, uh, Timothy uh, be bold in what he did, just like Damon, uh, Sheehy, Giuseppe was bold. How many of us would have the courage to go uh, and uh, to some big event and say, I'm supposed to be here and just uh, get his way in there. But he fanned the flames because he had a passion, a dream of playing professional football and uh, was able to, to make the team and, and stick with it. We are called on to fan the flames of faith that we have to be able to do what God has called us to do. We need to, to realize God did not make us and call us and save us just to sit us on a pew and do nothing. He has called us to reach out and to touch others with the good news of the gospel of Christ. Verse seven, Paul said, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Paul, I don't know if Paul had gotten word that maybe Timothy was a little shy. Maybe he thought that he was so young that some people didn't respect him, don't know. But whatever the situation was, Paul said, you be bold, you reach out, you do what God has called you to do, fan the flames because God has gifted you. God has gifted every one of us that know Jesus as Savior with spiritual gifts, one or more spiritual gifts. And if we use those, if we fan those uh, gifts, fan our faith and use them, God will use us to touch our community and to touch the world for Christ. Let's be involved in what God wants us to do. Power and love and discipline. We've got to discipline ourselves to do that. Damon disciplined himself, working out during uh, over two years being out of football at the community college level, never giving up, 
being in good enough shape so that he could run that 4.38 40-yard dash when he did that. That takes discipline, takes power, and a love for the game. We're called on to love God and to love our neighbors, ourselves. We need to be disciplined to use our gifts for the glory of God. Uh, verse eight, he says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So Paul said, don't be ashamed of me. Yes, your mentor is in jail, but don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel uh, shame that, that I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of a savior who died on the cross, but take that as a badge of courage to go forth because uh, this is the gospel. This is the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy, courting, court, a holy calling according to his uh, works. Not according to our works. Not because we have done anything great, but because he has done something great and has given that to us. And then verse 10, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. So this is the gospel. Paul said, this is the gospel which we preach. Uh, join with me in suffering. We suffer that. He was about to suffer the ultimate human sacrifice, the giving of his life, but he said, I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, join with me in suffering for Christ. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. That was my father's favorite Bible verse, I believe. He never said it was his favorite, but I heard him repeat it over and over and over again, testifying to his faith, testifying that he knew where he was going when his life was over because he knew who he had believed and had faith that uh, what he had given to God would be kept for eternity. In verse 13, uh, he says, retain, he tells Timothy, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So listen, tell the truth, be truthful. Don't let the gospel be uh, uh, adulterated. Don't water it down. But, and Paul would often say, I preach, I know nothing but Christ Jesus and him crucified. So Paul wanted young Timothy to make that his message as well. Guard to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. In all the ways of this world. We're often tempted. We're often chided. We're often made fun of, but we have a treasure, a treasure in Christ Jesus who, and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And this treasure has been entrusted to ministers, to all of us. 
so that we can share that treasure with others so that they can know Jesus Christ as we know Jesus Christ. A word to ministers, a word of encouragement, uh, an encouragement we give to Jonathan, an encouragement we give to everyone here today to remember what's been entrusted to us so that we may pass it on to others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he died on the cross that we may have life. And Father, today we uh, are thankful for Jonathan and for his faithfulness in serving you. We pray for him now as he goes forth, Father, that you would just uh, bless him in a mighty way as he seeks to serve you and learn and grow. I know that you've got special things in store for him and for his life, Father. And Father, today, if there's one here who does not know Jesus, who does not yet have that treasure in their life of Christ Jesus, I pray this would be a day of surrender, of saying yes to Jesus. Come into my life, save me. Because your word says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, if there's one here today not saved, may they call upon him this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.